welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season two, episode one, When She Was Bad. Ooh. Welcome back and welcome to season two. I know. If you're here after following us through first season, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for going on this crazy journey with us. You all are seriously the best. And if you're new and just discovering us for the first time, hello. Hello. Uh, We had hoped Dylan would be here with us to start the season. But though the universe has, for now, stopped attacking them personally, they are (laughs) off camping. So at least it's a semi-fun reason they're not with us and we wish them monsters, but not too many. Yeah, no, they they deserve a little bit of relaxation after everything they've been through. And we've already received like distressed messages about sounds coming from the woods. Oh, I know. I know. That's why I don't go camping and that's why I don't go into the woods. Yeah, no, exactly. We've talked about this. That's why I don't go into the meth woods. I don't know if they're camping near meth woods. I just assume there's scary shit in the woods and don't go in there. And the the worst part is Dylan is yells about us for not going into those woods, but then he voluntarily sleeps in woods. Yeah, no. He has no room to talk about us not wanting to go into those woods. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. So no. hopefully they'll be back with us soon, but they, they are having a well-deserved weekend uh, out in the wilderness, apparently by a pool. So I don't think it's that wildernessy. I think it's a campsite, but. Yeah, but still there's voices there. Yeah. When She Was Bad. It aired September 15th, 1997, which was still a Monday. So the switch does not come between the seasons. So now I'm very intrigued to find out where it comes. But we are starting season two off still on a Monday. And our synopsis, and just a reminder, we take these synopsises straight from the TV Guide site in hopes that they're fairly close to the description that would have been published when the show was originally airing. Dreams of the Master prompt Buffy to distance herself from the gang who are soon targeted by new vamps looking to catch the Slayer. And I think we do have some fun international titles. Do we, Froggy? We do. We have some really fun ones. Um, So the episode is When She Was Bad. Um, In Finnish, Pahan Kosketis, which is The Touch of Evil. French is super fancy with La Metamorphose de Buffy. The Metamorphosis of Buffy. German is Imbana de Bosen, Under the Spell of Evil. Hungarian, it's a little tricky, but I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it translates <laughs> to mesmerized. Italian is L'Ombra del Maestro, The Shadow of the Master. Oh, I like Japanese, that. again, I'm not going to pronounce because it's all in kanji, but it translates to Buffy is a bad guy? With both an exclamation point and a question mark. I Polish, love it. <laughs> Polish is Kiev. Ona Bilazla when she was back. Portuguese Brazil is Avolta, the comeback. We're going to go to Spanish Latin American, which is Cuando Ela Fula Mala when she was bad. And in Spanish from Spain, Buffy Se Vulva Mala, Buffy turns bad. I love it. I, I know. Those are great. There's, there's some really good ones. Yeah, there's some really good ones there. The French one is very fancy. It makes me like think of a paper I would have written in college. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a, a paper that that you would write in college on, you know, feminism and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and women's studies. And it also sounds like a fancy play that you would put on. Like it does. It does sound like a fancy play. Yeah, no, there's it's it's very fancy. So we begin with an extremely well put together last season on like well done. editing yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Just in case you missed it. I think my favorite part was when they show the master's body disintegrate and then they do like a close-up of everyone's shocked face ending with Cordelia. I I don't know why, but I just really liked that. Well, I also kind of like it because 
at the end of the season, that's when Cordelia really became part, like she's starting to become part of the Scooby gang. She is. Yeah. So she, for, for her, getting this introduction into their world, that is a dramatic way for her. And then she drove the car into the school. <laughs> iconic. I know. Just iconic. I know. I drove the car into the school. From there, we moved to the cemetery, which is apparently Shady Hill Cemetery because that is given as the place the master's bones are are buried in one of the books. Though really, we're kind of more on the creepy-ass pathway next to the cemetery. <laughs> it didn't look like an actual sidewalk. No, no. It looked like they were literally on this creepy-ass pathway where they should have known death awaits. Yeah, like, we've discussed this before. Like, there's so many cemeteries in this tiny-ass town, and the layout of the town is weird, and you never know, like, you never know where they're going to be. Like, they just throw places together and we just accept that this is a thing. Yes. So Xander and Willow walk along, Xander eating an ice cream cone as they quiz each other on movie quotes. The game seems to end when Willow stuck her ideas gives (laughs) use the force Luke as her quote. A quote which Xander refuses to dignify with a response. Willow comments, it's a dumb game anyway, which, no, the game actually sounds like a lot of fun, but okay, Willow, whatever. I I feel like this is something that we would do, just throwing quotes at each other and having to, but yeah, like, Xander's response was very on par, like, do I have to dignify with that with an answer? Like, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, I get what Xander was doing, but I was like, but this is a fun game, Willow. fun game, I love it. And Xander asks what else she wants to play as his hand is cramped up from playing rock, paper, scissors. Something Willow says is due to him always being scissors. Xander laments how boring the summer's been and how it's making him <laughs> actually look forward to school. Something Willow is certain has nothing to do with a certain vampire slayer. Oh no, nothing at all. No. No. But can you imagine like these people had, these kids had the most crazy school year that they have ever had in their lives and now summer and it's boring like they just say like their summers before they probably were doing the same thing that they were doing now but because they had the slayer to spice their lives up now summer is super boring which is funny because it's the only summer that is apparently this way yeah because because we get next next season yeah they'll have been slain all summer in buffy's stead yeah and when we get to the summer after that, I mean, there's implications she's been like, it's not as big a deal, but there's implications yeah. she's been slain all summer and like so on and so on. Also, I think Dracula actually like appears during the summer. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like, so it's funny that there's this like one summer where everything was quiet, but. No, I didn't see. You know what? Enjoy that one summer that's quiet because it's going to go downhill from there. That's right. Xander, you're going to look back on this summer fondly <laughs> exactly. when you're older. Exactly. You're going to go, oh, you remember that one summer where everything was boring and we were complaining because it was boring? Yeah, I'd like to go back to that, please. Mm-hmm. Xander says, nope. He's completely over her. Why? Did she say something about him? That's when Willow admits she hasn't really talked to Buffy all summer. She got a few postcards, but then... Nothing. Radio silence. So is Xander really over her? He says there may be some lingering desire. He's a man after all, and Willow really doesn't want to hear what comes next. She doesn't need to know about Xander's man needs. And so he switches directions, booping Willow on the nose with the ice cream cone, as he says he has another movie for her. He launches into a bit (laughs) about mocking the Amish with ice cream cones. And Willow correctly guesses witness before telling Xander that her nose is cold. Oh, it's so cute. It makes me so mad, though. (laughs) Oh, we're going to talk about that. I know. He goes as if to lick it off and she laughs, playfully pushing him away. He grabs a napkin and wipes the ice cream away, telling her he can't help it, that her nose looks so delicious. And you hear it. You hear the romantic theme start to play. They're leaning in like they're about to kiss. And then vampire! Creeper vampire staring at them, watching them about to make out. And oh my God, 14 year old Mary was so mad at that vampire. I know. I know. Like I was so mad at that vampire too. Like, yes, they're going to kiss. They're going to finally get together. And then the vampire had to 
popping. Like I wanted Xander and Willa to get together so much in these early Same. seasons. So did I. So did I. Like it's because she's just she was there. She loves he him was, so much. I know, and he was a dumb boy, and he's a dumb. Oh, so mad. Boys <sighs> are so dumb. Willow hops off the wall she'd been sitting on. They start to run, and Xander actually tells Willow to go as he stays behind, willing to fight the vampire. And he does manage to get a punch in before someone grabs the vampire from behind and slams him to the ground. He gets up only to be kicked into a tree and dusted. That's when we see the person who killed the vampire is Buffy. Back from LA. She smiles at the other two with a miss me. Perfect entrance is perfect. Yes, absolutely. Such a great entrance. So before we move to the credits, just a few things about this scene. One, Willow mentions it was quiet all summer, which we just talked about. No monsters, which we can assume means no vampires. So like, did the vampires have Buffy's vacation on their calendars? (laughs) Like, oh, hey, the Slayer comes home today. I guess we can start attacking people again. If so, that was very considerate of them. I think it might just have something to do with the supernatural nature of the town. Like, I kind of think that the vampires were you know, regrouping after the death of the master. Cause yeah, like, so I think it is just the nature of the town. Like as soon as Buffy comes back, everything is ramped back up to 11. So Her energy mixes with the Hellmouth energy. Yes. And it's like, yeah, yeah, time to wake up. Yep. Everyone's like, Oh wait, the Slayer is back. Time <laughs> to go out eating. What did they eat when, when she was gone? What were they doing when she was gone? I don't know. Maybe it was, what is it? Who's our friend? Is it Joe? Is it Joe? Who's the smart vampire? Oh, yes. Maybe maybe Joe was just hanging around doing his vampire thing. And then the other vampires like showed up in town after their vacations. Yeah. 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 We need, we need a break. We need to, everybody needs to relax. Joe's just living his best life, hanging around Angel's apartment. (sighs) Okay. And two, Xander is eating an ice cream cone next to the cemetery. So was the ice cream place through the creepy cemetery all along? <laughs> Did season one lie to us? <laughs> I think so. Oh my God. Three, let's go over the movie's reference during Xander and Willow's game. Yes, let's. There's Witness, released in 1985. It stars Harrison Ford, Danny Glover, Patti Lapone, and Viggo Mortensen. While I remembered the first two were in the film, I totally forgot about the last two. I did too. Oh my gosh. Star Wars. I don't really need to say anything here. I think it's safe to say everyone out there at least has some peripheral knowledge of Star Wars. That's why it didn't dignify an answer. Planet of the Apes, the first in a franchise. This was released in 1968 and starred Charlton Heston and Roddy McDowell. And Terminator, released in 1984. It starred Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton. Yes, it did. We should also mention that starting with this episode, every season premiere will begin in a graveyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. And this is the episode that begins David Boreanaz's time as a series regular. More vague conversations. Because what can happen? What can happen in this episode, in this season? What is going to happen? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens with Angel in this season. Not at all. Nope. Just more vague conversations and We're going to talk about looks. their conversations, especially in this episode and the next episode, because there are some awkward <laughs> conversations at the start of this season. Oh, I know. So credit. There are a few new images, actually mostly from this episode, mm-hmm. but they remain mostly the same as last season. They are still awesome, though. It is. It's still awesome. We pick up right where we left off. Xander and Willow both thrilled to see Buffy. There's hugs all around as they tell her that her timing very much does not suck. And she gently scolds them for being sloppy. Neither of them even had a cross. Willow mentions this is the first vampire they've seen all summer. And Buffy remarks they must have known she was coming. See? They yeah. did have it in their calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, Everybody's all synchronized. They ask Buffy how her summer was and if she did any slaying. She doesn't know that mostly she just hung around, partied. And that shopping was also a big theme. Hung around with who? Did she see Pike? If she saw Pike and we missed it, I'm going to be very oh upset. God, I know, I know. Because she didn't have any friends left in LA. They all thought she was like crazy pants. Yeah, yeah. So like, unless she is just saying that she was hanging out with people to make it seem like she was having more fun than she was. And 
that's very possibly what it is because the whole theme of this episode is Buffy saying she's okay when she's not okay. Yeah, exactly. That's that is so, the whole thing. I think she was building up the like, oh, my summer was great. I'm like totally relaxed. It was perfect. Yeah. It was not perfect. She's Cause not even, great. Because even um, in you know in a couple scenes, you're going to see with Joyce and Hank. You know, you'll really get a deeper look into what happened over what the summer. Happened. Yeah. She then asks if they did anything fun over the summer. Willow says yes. While Xander says no, leaving Buffy looking confused and the tiniest bit uncomfortable. <laughs> and her discomfort only grows when they say the coolest thing they did all summer was bury the master. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did we forget about the met? Like, so, so Buffy just went to LA and left them to take care of the bones. Okay. That's the, literally the next thing in my notes. Because I, I have it here. When did Buffy leave for LA? Because like, did they just hold on to the master's bones for a week or so? I thought like they would have gone to the dance because they say, we'll, we'll deal because, with this yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And I thought like the next day. They would have dealt with the, it. Yeah, but no. I mean, maybe Giles had to look up. How to, yeah. Do it because the master, and I think I say this somewhere else in my notes, but that's okay. I'll say it here now. The master's the only vampire we've seen leave bones. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else is dust. So I'm sure Giles wanting to do his due diligence was like, uh, let me look up what you do with this. With vampire bones. Like, this is something that I've never seen before. Yeah, like even Lothos, who is older than the master, didn't leave behind bones. No. So I don't know if it has to do with like the vampire's proximity to the demon who made them because the master while not like one of the oldest vampires and while the demon that created him wasn't one of the oldest demons, the master was the first vampire created from that demon. Yeah. So I don't know if it has to do with how much demon essence blood whatever is inside of them or you know know, we could just be questioning it too much. It could just be the magical Mercedes symbol. Like, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure in the end it's the magical Mercedes symbol because, well, yes. I don't know. We'll talk about it more when we get to Angel because they bring Darla back but I don't think they have her remains. So when they successfully bring a vampire back, we'll, we'll compare well, yeah, and yeah, when we When we get to Angel, you know, at some point we'll try to figure that out. We'll just, we'll dissect that whole thing when we get there. Put a pin in it. Buffy's whole demeanor seems to change during that conversation. And when Willow asks if she's seen Giles, she almost coldly says, <gasps> why? She'll see him at school. Oh. Back at the Summer's house, Joyce is unpacking Buffy's suitcase while talking to <laughs> Hank, who we see for the second and final time. Yep. Yep. Though he will be mentioned and appear in flashbacks slash hallucinations, this is the last time we'll see him in the real world continuity of the show. Seems he let Buffy do quite a bit of shopping over the summer. Joyce says he spoiled her and he says he just thought he was saving Joyce the agony of having to handle the whole back to school shopping nightmare. I love that. That is so cute. That is really cute. And I like that they do like clearly they divorced for not good reasons. You know later that yeah. Hank is like living with his secretary. Yeah, yeah. And like he took her to Spain, but they can still co-parent together quite nicely. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yes, yes. And like for the for the few the few times that you see him and even when Joyce mentions Hank, you know, she's never bad about it. Like it's no, she never badmouths him. Yeah. Yeah. So like that is a very refreshing take on on a divorce. Yeah, because most shows, most things would have Joyce be very bitter. Yeah. And they don't because Joyce, you know, realizes this is her child father, someone she loves and spends time with, and yep. she's going to make sure things stay as amiable for Buffy as possible. Yep, and Buffy adores her father. Yeah. You see that throughout the, you know, the entire season whenever, like, she adores her father. So that gives me, I love Joyce so much, and just I get so much respect for her for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. Joyce says her school nightmares have nothing to do with shopping and asks how Buffy was in LA. Did she stay out of trouble? Yeah, now nah, she was great. Just distant, disconnected, which he admits was another reason for the shopping. He was hoping she'd open up a bit. Joyce says she's been distant for a while now, hard to reach. And really, she just hopes she makes it through the school year. Speaking of which, 
we go to Sunnydale High. Yeah. The first, the first day of school where Cordelia is very distraught that her parents dared oh to take her to Tuscany God. instead of St. Croix. God, I would love to go to Tuscany. Right? Like, okay, I want to go to St. Croix too. You know, that's that's a great place to, to relax. But Tuscany. And, and the, everything that Cordelia says that she hated about Tuscany is exactly why I want to go to Tuscany. Right? All the buildings and museums. I'm like, okay. 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 Cordelia's see, parents could take me. Cordelia is that girl that we saw at the Met when we went yes. that one time. <laughs> yes. Froggy and I like to people watch as well as look at art when we go to museums. And <laughs> we always play the like, who's there on a date and was just dragged there because their girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other took them there. And who's miserable in there with their parents because they thought the trip to New York was going to be nothing but shopping. It's a great game. Oh, it is. It is. And the last time we got to play that game, there was a mom who she was definitely looked like she was an art teacher. Like she just had that art yes. teacher look about her. And her daughter was dressed to go shopping and go to clubs. And mom was having the time of her life explaining everything to her daughter. And her daughter just, poor girl, looks so miserable. I do feel for that girl. That was not the fun she was promised. Yes, that, no. It was the fun we were promised. Oh, yeah. It was not the fun she was promised. Oh, yeah. No, and then we had more fun because she wasn't having fun. Yes. (laughs) She was totally beachless for a month and a half. How did she ever survive? She says she decided that adversity such as that builds character. But then she already has character. (laughs) Is it possible to have too much character? Yes. Another person currently unhappy is Snyder. As the first day of school means students. Students swarming his campus like locusts. Giles asks if maybe, given his intense hatred of teenagers, school principal wasn't the best choice of vocation for him. (laughs) But Snyder answers that someone needs to keep an eye on them, which kind of works into the theory that Snyder got this job because of the mayor's office. Yeah, and as season two, now that I'm watching it, now that as season two and going into season three plays out, he does let on a lot more because he does mention the mayor. Yeah. About different different things. So I think it's like soon as school hard, we're going to see that he knows. Yeah. Stuff. And we'll just see that built. Yes. Yes. And I love this scene between him and Giles. Giles is is so patient. And the look of amusement on his face as Snyder is talking about the students (laughs) It's just so good. Like, again, like I always talk about, I always talk about face acting and Anthony Head in this scene is just so subtle. It's brilliant. Giles and Snyder have a couple good interactions in this episode. I love their interactions in general. And yeah, again, when season three comes. I was going to say, we'll talk about their interaction in season three. Yeah, when season three comes is it's one of my it's one of my favorites, because, again, you get to see Giles being Ripper. Being Ripper, yep. He calls the students ticking time bombs and says just the sight of a pretty girl can turn a teenage boy into a gibbering idiot, right as the sight of Miss Calendar turns Giles into a gibbering idiot. Yep. it's That's such a good... It's... It's such a well-shot scene. I love it. It it is. Snyder continues talking, Giles and Jenny exhibiting every behavior he mentions. Yep, yep. It's so cute. He does say he tries to teach the students the important things, discipline, responsibility, punctuality, but it just seems like he's talking to himself, (laughs) which he is because Giles and Jenny have left. Yep. Off to the faculty lounge. As they walk through the hall, Giles and Jenny compare summers. She apparently attended Burning Man, an experience she describes as intense and something that Giles would hate with every fiber of his being. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I I love Jenny is such a burning man. Yeah, she is. Type of person. Like when when that like at the time, I didn't really know about Burning Man, but watching it now, knowing like, yes, Mm -hmm. Jenny is a burning man type. He does seem mostly opposed to it. Though the thought of Jenny dancing naked does perk his interest. Uh Uh-huh. She guesses Giles spent his summer with his nose in a book. Something he says must seem awfully dull to her. Depends on the book. Oh, she's so good. I love her so much. 
Ah! Oh. Before their conversation can go much further, Buffy, Willow, and Xander appear at the top of the stairs. Also, look! Stairs! <gasps> stairs! Vending machines! One room! Not the same one hallway! I know! It's exciting! <laughs> Sunnydale High is moving up in the world. I know. They got they got more of a budget. They did. Season one went well. They got a budget. Yep. Yep. They greet Giles excitedly and Giles focuses his attention on Buffy, wanting to know how she is. Alive and kicking, though she doesn't seem nearly as excited to see him as Willow and Xander are. Willow announces that Buffy killed a vampire last night before realizing she might have said that just a bit too loudly. <laughs> Something Buffy confirms with a, you get a bit more volume if you speak from the diaphragm. Jenny seems confused by the vampire sighting, saying she thought the hellmouth was closed. Closed, yes, but not gone. The mystical energy that surrounds it is still there, drawing all sorts of creepy crawlies to their town and making it, as Xander says, the undead's favorite party spot. But where was that stuff over the summer? Yeah, well, they were partying elsewhere, I guess. Maybe they they go to the Cleveland Hellmouth for the summer. Yeah, yeah, go to the Cleveland Hellmouth. Or the Easter Island one. Yeah, or wherever there is a different small child nightclub that they can invade. You know, they gotta gotta do their tour of the small children nightclubs over the summer. That's the problem. It's the bronze. I, you know, considering how many times vampires have taken over the bronze. I think we, yeah, I think we, uh. We'd make it a little bit harder for them if we got rid of it. I know, we would. But we keep bringing it back. (sighs) Giles wonders if it's for any particular reason that the vamps are here. And he says he'll consult his books, forcing Willow to pay up as Xander had 10 minutes before Giles had to do so. They all head off to class and Giles calls after saying he knows that Buffy's only just returned. But whenever she's ready, he'd like to begin her training again. She says she's ready and she'll see him after school. He asks again, wanting to be sure and realizing that she might need a day or two to get back into the routine of things. But nope, she's ready. Cue training montage. (laughs) Most of which is noticeably done by Buffy's stunt double. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the gymnastics in the first half, but this montage very much reminded me of the montage in the movie where Buffy's training in the hotel. Yes, yep. From gymnastic maneuvers, she moves on to weaponry and dummies, and after visions of the master flash before her eyes, she breaks said dummy. Giles remarks that... Clearly, she's kept in shape. Well, she assures him that whatever's coming next, she's ready. Yeah, she's ready. Giles looks at her and seems to doubt that, as she looks to be less than okay. Oh, look, it's the annoying one. (sighs) Pulled up in the factory, we will later come to know and love as Spike and Drew's hideaway. Yes. He's gathered a new bunch of vampires, including a former Southern... Preacher? Look, <laughs> it happens. True. Look, we remember we had we there was so much religious symbolism in the first half of this first season. Yeah, so there was. We did not get a former preacher. Said preacher, whose name is Absalon, is telling the others that soon, soon their time will come. Real soon, he says, as it's in three days' time. They just need to be strong to put their faith in the annoying one, as he will show them the way. So apparently, the annoying one's main purpose is to give out. Directions. First, he was foretold to lead Buffy to the master, and now he's going to show all these other vampires the way. If this wasn't 1997, I would just tell them to invest in a GPS. It's way less irritating. Yeah, yeah, but at least we don't have to worry about it for much longer. Nope. Back at Sunnydale High, it's the next day, and Buffy is sitting in the new and shiny, at least to us, the viewing audience, student lounge. Kind of out of it. Xander and Willow come up and Buffy assures them she's fine. She just had some weird dreams the night before. As Willow and Xander switch food items, which, adorable. Xander tells Buffy that dreams are meaningful. Yeah, Willow echoes. Like the other night, she dreamt that Xander, realizing she is saying this aloud, (laughs) she quickly backpedals. It wasn't Xander. It wasn't her. It was a friend's (laughs) dream and they don't remember it. Oh, Willow. Buffy's sure they don't. Mm -hmm. Giles rushes up up, and Buffy immediately notices he looks worried. He thinks he knows why the other vampires have come to town. Okay, great. Whatever it is, they'll handle it. Yes, he supposes they will. After all, he killed her once. Doing so again won't be so hard. Wait, what? Turns out this is all a nightmare. Dream Giles throws Buffy down on the table and begins attempting to strangle her as she fights back. And I think my favorite part of this is just Willow and Xander 
Just sitting there. Just sit, yeah. yeah. Continuing to eat. Their apathy is only matched by Bucky Barnes watching the Dora kick the shit out of John Walker. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, nope, nope, this is happening. Whatever. Got it. Buffy claws and pulls at Giles, his face turning into a rubber mask. One that is pulled off to reveal the master. As we oh. fixate on the master's face, Buffy awakes with a start in her bed. She sits up, running her hands through her hair, trying to settle herself when she seems to know she's being watched. She turns to the window and, hey, Creeper oh. Angel has already let himself in. Oh, Angel. Before asking if he may come in. And I would like to note that in the original script, he does ask if he can come in while outside. So they made the conscious decision for him to be a creeper. So realistically, I I think that was a time saver and not having to wait for David to actually climb through the window. But whatever, he's a creeper. And they have a super awkward conversation. Oh, here we go. Yep. Like Angel tries to see how Buffy's doing before warning her of the annoying one in his plan. And Buffy makes it clear she can handle herself. And she's just really like snarky and rude and shutting him down the whole time. And she's just like, whatever this elementary schooler from hell is up to, I've got it. And Angel's like, fine, whatever. (laughs) And he leaves with a missed you. And after a moment, she goes to tell him she missed him too, but it's too late. Angel's gone and Buffy's left staring out her bedroom window, which transitions beautifully into her staring out the car window Yep. as her mom drives her to school. It should be noted that the song playing under this transition, It Doesn't Matter by Alison Krauss in the Union Station was included on the official Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack. Yep. As they drive, Joyce tries to get Buffy to talk to her, tell her what's wrong, but Buffy says nothing. Though apparently once she gets to school in a totally different top, than she was wearing in the car, mind you. She does spill the beans to Xander and Willow about Angel's late night visit. Two things before we continue. Buffy has apparently yet to decorate her locker for this year. And you'll notice the wall behind her is a Chiba Mata poster. Yes. Who we will hear and see later in this episode. Yep. I love Chiba Mato. I had, oh, loved him so much. Willow wants to know if there was kissing and Buffy tells her to grow up, that not everything is about kissing. Yeah, Xander says, some things are about groping. There wasn't groping, was there? She tells him that it was all strictly shop talk and that whatever it is Angel was warning her about, they'll deal. As they walk away, Xander tells them that Chibo Mata will be at the bronze that night, you know, <laughs> in case they miss the poster on the, the poster, wall beside them. Yeah. Willow seems very excited by this all. Chibo Mato is playing? <laughs> To the point of her missing the sarcasm in Xander's tone when he tells her that, no, they will be clog dancing. Chiba Mato can clog dance? I love it. I love Willow so much. What I love about that whole scene is that was such a thing that they did in 90s shows at the time. So it's like, we got this performer that is going to be performing later or that they're going to go to the concert to and then they make a whole big thing out of it yes when it happened like oh yes like because i i remember in friends they went to see hootie and the blowfish and there was a whole thing like oh we're gonna go see hootie and the blowfish later and even though they didn't actually appear in that episode it was just them in the audience cheering for them sabrina the teenage witch did violet femmes yeah so yeah no it was it was a big thing at that time yeah they run into cordelia who calls them the three musketeers the three musketeers of course refer to athos porthos and aramis characters created by alexander dumas for his 1844 french historical adventure novel and yes that is how it's classified Yep. A novel that has been made into at least seven movies and three BBC series, as well as animated shorts, stage plays, and even a web series. One of the film's adaptions, done by Disney (laughs) and starring Keith Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, and Chris O'Donnell, came out only four years before Buffy in 1993. If you're interested in that version, it can be found on Disney+. Plus. I highly recommend it. I was kind of obsessed with it for the longest time. Oh, so was I. So was I. It was a whole big thing. And yes, if you haven't seen it, go watch it now keep in mind it is early 90s cheese yes don't forget the song that goes along with it that was done by sting rod stewart and brian adams all for one or all for all for love like yeah and all for love yes yeah i'm like singing in my head now like yes so good so good and go listen to that song please i beg of you watch the music video (laughs) 
the trio tell her that as an insult, that kind of lacked punch. The Musketeers are cool. She would have been better off going with the Three Stooges. The Three Stooges was an American vaudeville comedy act, active from 1922 until 1970, and best remembered for their 190 short films produced by Columbia Pictures. Oh, wow. Yeah, whatever. All Cordelia meant was that they're always together. So did they fight any demons over the summer? I love this. I love how panicked Willow gets. Like, yes, our own personal demons. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Buffy didn't just mention vampires in the hallway 10 seconds ago. Or like Giles wasn't calling after Buffy talking about training the day before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. None of them are subtle. No, not at all. But we've proven that everybody in this town is kind of dumb. Dumb, yeah, in their own little world. They're going to pretend they're subtle, though, telling Cordelia that she can't be talking about that kind of stuff around civilians (laughs) and that Buffy's identity as the Slayer needs to remain a secret. Again, Willow just announced loudly that Buffy slayed a vampire. Yeah, Cordy rocking the kind of bronzy, coppery lipstick. So popular in the 90s. We get three great lines during this conversation. We get Buffy's, Cordelia, your mouth is open. Sound is coming from it. This is never good. (laughs) We get Cordelia using an iconic piece of 90s slang with her as if. And we get Buffy's parting shot of, great, you won't tell anyone I'm the Slayer, and I won't tell anyone you're a moron. A parting shot Willow thinks is just a little too good. There's definitely something up with Buffy. Yeah, yeah, she's being a little bitchy. We go to the bronze where Chibo Mato is indeed performing, and Xander and Willow are waiting for Buffy to arrive. Willow is still convinced that something is up with her. She tells Xander that Buffy's been different, prompting him to remind her that Buffy has always been different. Yeah, true. But she's never been mean. Willow then tries to use the ice cream she's currently eating because now the bronze serves ice cream. Well, of course they do. To recreate the scene from earlier. But Xander doesn't get it and just tells her she has something on her nose. Poor Willow. Oh, that's... I know. Just poor Willow. Like, of course it wasn't going to work again. The whole thing before was very organic. Yeah. Poor girl. I love her so much. While they're dealing with that, the annoying one and his posse are in the cemetery digging up the bones of the master using both shovels and their hands. Because the annoying one apparently gives no fucks (laughs) if the consecrated ground burns his followers' hands. Back at the bronze, Buffy arrives looking sexy as fuck. Mm -hmm. She runs into Angel and despite her declaration the night before, is rather cold to him. He tries to figure out what he did wrong if he upset her in some way. But no, no, she's not upset. He just needs to get over himself. See, she's moved on to the living. She walks away, Cordelia watching, and goes to join Xander and Willow. Willow asks, what's wrong with Angel? And Buffy says, beats her, right before putting herself in front of Xander and suggesting they dance. It's a whole thing. An ultra sexy and intimate display meant to pile up everyone. Xander, Angel, and Willow. Oh yeah, she's just being... As the dance ends, Buffy asks Xander if she ever thanked him for saving her life. When he says no, she responds with don't you wish I would? Before leaving him on the (sighs) dance floor, grabbing her coat and walking away. Not even bothering to say goodbye to Willow. Who she pretty much devastated. Yeah. By getting all up on Xander like that. It's a whole thing. Nobody is happy. No one is having a good time. No, we're not happy. They're not happy. And look, like, you know, I know we have Not mixed opinions. Sandra is happy. Yeah, because it's because, because she's knew. why she's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. To, to just get to Angel. Outside, Cordelia catches up with Buffy, telling her that she's going hard on her whole bitch of the year campaign. Buffy asks if she's nervous, seeing as she's the reigning champion and all. She can hold her own. She mentions how they've never been close. And that's fine because she doesn't really like Buffy. But seeing as how she has saved the world once or twice, Cordelia's going to do her a favor, give her some advice. And this is one of my favorite speeches from the show. It's definitely my favorite Cordelia line. Yes, I love this whole bit with Cordelia. Again, because it shows how she's growing and also that she's not as terrible as she seems. Get over it. Whatever's causing the Joan Collins tood, deal with it. Embrace the pain, spank your inner mop it, whatever, but get over it. Because pretty soon, you're not even going to have the loser friends you've got now. So good. So it's just such a good, it's such a good moment. Like you said, it's one of the best speeches, one of the best Cordelia moments. Yeah. And Joan Collins. 
Uh, we're going to talk about Joan Collins in a second. Yeah. Buffy tells her it's about time she minds her own business, and Cordelia agrees. It's long past. As Buffy walks away, Cordelia says she'll just see if Angel feels like dancing right before a pack of vampires grab her. Oh. Before we move on, there are two things in Cordelia's speech we should mention, aside from its awesomeness. First is Joan Collins, an English actress author, and columnist. Originally discovered in the 1950s, she has done everything from historical dramas to cult classic horror films to soap operas. In fact, her addition to the cast of Dynasty is often credited as to what made the show a success. So I tried to find out exactly why she would be credited as having a whole attitude vibe attributed to her. And I think it may actually be linked to Dynasty and her character and the character that she played there. Yeah. As Aaron Spelling once said of Collins, we didn't write Joan Collins. She played Joan Collins. Am I right? We wrote a character, but the character could have been played by 50 people and 49 of them would have failed. She yeah. made it work. Yeah, it's it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely the uh, the portrayal of um, Alexis Colby in Dynasty that, because it's just, because she did have an attitude. She was vengeful. She was ruthless. Yeah, she was a bitch. So it was... You know, and that's what a lot of people think of when they think of Dynasty. They think of Joan Collins. Yeah. Second is the word Muppet. It's a word not used enough, and it means a small, endearingly sweet child. Not to be confused with Muppet, (laughs) which could either refer to the characters created by Jim Henson, or if you want to go by British slang, an incompetent or ineffectual person. Yeah, you know what? I think I looked up Muppet years ago during a rewatch of the series because I just wanted to see what the definition was. But I like that. But I like that usage by Cordelia. I do too. I really do. Yeah. Cordelia is taken to the factory where she finds an unconscious Miss Calendar on the floor after almost tripping on her. In the cemetery, Buffy makes a stop on her way home. Makes sense. Xander and Willow told her where the master is buried and if she sees his grave, well, then she can remind herself that he's dead and gone, that her dreams are just that. Dreams. Only when she goes to the master's grave, she finds it empty. She stares at the hole in the ground before backing away in horror, the visage of the master looming ominously beside her. In the original script, Buffy is actually described as shaking as she backs away and was originally supposed to just be muttering to herself, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. So yeah, this is is like, she's definitely not okay. And this is like our our first like actual big like showing of that. Yeah, everything is just her overcompensating for how not okay she is. Cut to the next day where Willow is telling Giles that Buffy is possessed (laughs) as that's the only thing that would explain her behavior. For a moment, Xander tries to say that hey maybe Buffy is just attracted to him but then he has to agree that no she's possessed yeah (laughs) by a possessing thing or maybe when she killed the master there was some sort of bad guy energy transference I mean why else would she be such a b-i-t-c-h Giles tells Willow that they may be a bit too old to be spelling things out (laughs) right before Xander asks bitka Okay, so maybe not. Though he suspects there may actually be a mundane reason for Buffy's behavior. I love how horrified Giles is by the soda he's drinking. Yes. You see him look at it once or twice like, the fuck is this? The, uh, yeah, he's he's so offended by... Yeah, he keeps drinking it. I know. You know what? Haven't we all been there? We're drinking That's something true. that absolutely offends us, but we just keep going with it. Well, no, you give it to your friends and make them taste it too. Yes. Does this taste off to you? No, it's like when Starbucks was doing when it was at the green tea latte or it was something I was like takes a sip this tastes like grass and then we proceed to pass it around the table so everyone else can confirm it t- like we're literally like this is awful this tastes like grass now everyone still had to taste it so that yeah. is what you do with something's bad but yeah. I think Giles is just offended but he can't also he can't exactly pass his soda around no. to these children that wouldn't look right that is true yes Giles already has a very weird relationship yeah if they were children. If they were at his house or something, maybe he could have, like, I could see him handing it to Xander just very casually giving it to him. Like, you might like this. Yeah, this is this is more for you. But yeah, not in the school setting. The bell rings, the lounge begins to empty out, and Giles takes a seat. He tells Willow and Xander that Buffy is probably just dealing with repressed trauma, seeing as how she was technically dead and all. Yes, good. We have a winner. Somebody. Thank you. 
Someone give this man an oversized stuffed animal. As Giles is sitting with his back to the hallway, he doesn't see Buffy approach. Xander does, though, and so comically tries to change the subject, telling Giles that it was a very interesting point about Trout he just brought up. (laughs) What? The watcher is confused until he actually sees Buffy, and he gets it. Yes, Trout. He asks how Buffy slept, and she says fine, right before telling him that the master is gone, that she went by his grave and she has a vacancy. So Buffy here is in the same outfit she was wearing in the car scene with Joyce. And that makes a lot of sense because not only would she be like super detached and silent after seeing the master's grave empty and not wanting to talk to anyone, the script also confirmed that that scene went before this one. Okay, so they filmed it. Yeah, so they filmed it like that. This scene was originally supposed to go, the scene in the car was originally supposed to go here. I think when they were editing, they were like, oh, well, hold on. We can do this really cool transition thing. Yeah. And moved the scene, forgetting that the clothes were dead. Yeah, the continuity. Like they they were they didn't either they didn't have time to refilm the scene so it would line up or they just forgot about it. So yes. So that scene That makes that makes a lot of sense now. Willow wonders why someone would want master bones, and Buffy says they're going to bring him back. They're going to bring him back, and she didn't think that was possible. Giles told her he was history. Yes, well, though Giles has heard of revivification spells. He's never heard of one being successful, but he's heard of them. He should have warned her. Willow tries to come to Giles' defense, but Buffy silences her, telling her it's Slayer business, and therefore they need a little less chit-chat from civilians. Oh, no, 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 Buffy. No, no, no. No, That's when Xander jumps in, pissed off, and telling Buffy that enough is enough. Of course, he doesn't get to finish as Snyder appears, reminding them all of their classes and jobs. (laughs) Classes and jobs, yes. Giles nods and says he'll see them in the library later, where they can continue this discussion on Trout. Trout. As they walk away, Snyder says there are some things he can just smell, like a sixth sense. Well, actually, that's one of the five, which Giles does tell him. Yes. And when it comes to Buffy, he smells trouble. Trouble, expulsion, and just a hint of jail. Bit of foreshadowing there. Yes, but that's a long way off. That's a long way off. Giles suggests maybe giving her the benefit of the doubt that she might surprise him. This causes Snyder to look at him. He really does have faith in those kids, doesn't he? Well, yes. Yes, he does. Weird. In the library, Giles thinks he might have found something. Apparently, to revive a vampire, you need his bones and the blood of someone either close to him or connected to him. Buffy says, that's her. They killed each other. Don't get closer than that. So in this bit of dialogue, Giles says the text about the revivification is written in Latin, so to bear with him. This means that Latin is not one of the five languages Giles is fluent in. Yeah. Also, as we stated earlier, most vampires don't leave behind bones. So again, there's something very weird about the master and why he does so. But they'll never tell us why. They'll never tell us why. Nope. A rock comes sailing through the window. Poor library windows. Oh, they just fixed the windows. Cordelia's choker from the night before wrapped around it, along with a note. Come to the bronze before it opens or we make her a meal. They're going to cook her dinner? It takes Andrew a moment to process what the note is actually saying and then embarrassed, he asks them to pretend he never said that. That's the kind of thing that Willow would say sometimes. Like, yes. But having Xander say it is so cute. What now? Buffy says she's going to the bronze to save Cordelia and they're not coming. That she can't be looking out for them while she's fighting. Willow asks her, what about the other part of the note? What other part of the note? The part where it says, hello, this is a trap. (laughs) Giles agrees. She could be playing right into their hands. She'll handle it. When Willow tells her to stop saying that, that she's not okay, she just says it's her fight and walks away. Buffy approaches the bronze only to have Angel appear behind her. She tells him that being stalked really isn't a big turn-on for girls. <laughs> just, yes! Yes! Buffy! Yes. Call him out on being a creeper! Yes, I know. Like, I know you're being, you're just being bitchy because it's your whole thing in this episode, Buffy. But yes, he is creepy. No girl likes being stalked, no matter how attractive the vampire 
he asks her why she's writing him. And, <laughs> wow. That there's is another 90s. Of, yeah. There's another bit of 90s slang for you. Yes. And it's just weird that the vampire is saying it. Yes. <laughs> because she doesn't trust him. Because he's a vampire. Off Angel surprised, and I think a bit hurt, look, she asks if that's offensive. <gasps> if she should instead be calling him an undead American. I think that's how <laughs> I'm going to identify from now on. As an undead American. Undead American. I mean, I feel dead inside. That's another band name for you. Undead American, yeah. (sighs) Angel tells her she needs to trust someone, and she says she can trust herself. He says she's not as strong as she thinks, and she asks if he thinks he can take her, that he must have thought about it. What would happen if it came down to the two of them, him a vampire and her a slayer? I don't even think I need to say why this bit of dialogue is brilliant, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yes, you should. Kind of like Snyder's conversation with Giles, this is 10,000% foreshadowing becoming part two. Yeah. When it does, in fact, come down to the two of them. The dialogue is even similar. Yes. But while Angel here is telling her that she needs her friends and becoming, he's mocking her. Oh, yeah. Telling yes, her that she's whole- alone, that she has nothing left. And exactly. these these are the moments, these are the parallels that make this show a masterpiece. Absolutely. Like, you, like when you watch this, not knowing what's coming, it's still a good bit of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And when you put it in the context of where these two characters are going to be at, at the end of this exact season, it is so brilliant. And just the way that they are playing these two characters leading up to that, like it is driving toward where they're going to be at. Like it's, it is, it's mm-hmm. so brilliant. It's, it's just, it's so good. Angel says he's not going to fight her, but Buffy keeps trying to goad him into it. At least until Angel reminds her that she's supposed to be somewhere and that all this is just her wasting time. She tells him to stay out of her way and he says he's happy to oblige. Is he though? Because <laughs> when she goes inside the bronze, there he is. Yeah, no, he's still going to do what he does. They see someone who is supposed to be Cordelia crying in the corner, but Buffy knows right away it's not. She asks where Cordelia is, and the female vamp, whose name is Tara, according to the script, says she's not supposed to tell. Angel doesn't like this. If that vampire is the bait, where's the hook? Something's wrong. Buffy agrees. Why would they just send one? Well, Buffy, it's because Willow was right. Yes, of course. Speaking of Willow, she, Xander, and Giles are still in the library trying to find out as much about the ritual as possible. Willow still thinks they should have gone with Buffy, while Xander thinks if Buffy's going to snap, they need to get as far away as possible. (laughs) He's not wrong. No. Giles then finds something in his books. It seems the Latin was translated poorly from the Sumerian. The Sumerian reads that the person closest to the master actually means nearest. The ritual calls for those nearest to the master when he, oh. Oh no. It is a trap, but not for Buffy. Buffy. Nope. Looking up from his book, he sees a line of vampires appear on the upper level of the library. Question, how does the annoying one know who was in the library that night? He wasn't there. Wouldn't he (sighs) wrongly assume Buffy is the one he wanted? Or is knowing things just part of his annoying one powers? I don't know. Okay, so Buffy, well, see, the thing is, he knew that Buffy was in the underground area. So he knew that Buffy was there because the mask, that's where he took Buffy. Right. And then we never see him again. Yeah. So then there has to be something that was taken out somewhere because the master ends up does he does he know that the Hellmouth is under the library? Um, possibly, because the Anointed One was learning from the Master, and we I, we obviously didn't see every lesson. Yeah, because they because he may have known that that is like somehow he may have known that those people were with Buffy all the time. So I don't know. I'm trying to put logic where there is none, well, Mary. Did they kill every vampire in the school or did some escape? Some might have escaped. That could have okay, been. So that that might be how he yeah. knows. If, if some yeah, of them once that were the, like in the hallway ran off. Once, once they killed, like there could have been a couple left over. And once the master was killed, 
they, they probably went they could have gone oh fuck they killed the master they're gonna kill us time to retreat and wait yeah, for another cause, day because cordelia was still holding some off yeah when the master fell and then they could have run off before buffy angel and them came down yeah so that's that's pro- okay. and then they could have reported back to the annoying one the annoying one and then reported what happened like who these people were that were there that makes sense yeah Okay, so we got something. At least something makes sense. Something. We we made it. it (laughs) Tying up the vamp in the bronze, Buffy hands her over to Angel, telling him not to kill her unless he has to and that she'll be back. She then runs back to the library, only to find it ransacked. Everyone gone except for Xander, who's bleeding. She goes to him, wanting to see if he's okay, but he pulls away. She asks what happened, and he tells her that the vampire she was oh so sure she could handle came and took them. That if he, that if she had stopped and worked with them for five minutes, that she could have prevented this. He doesn't know what her issue is, and as of this moment, he no longer cares. But if they hurt Willow, he will kill her. I love this moment from Xander. He is absolutely done with Buffy's bullshit. So one thing I totally love about Xander and it's just like ramped up to a million in this episode is that while Xander and Willow never really happen, we do get the brief dalliance of it in season three. It is clear that Willow is always going to be the most important person in Xander's life. Yes. Yes. And vice versa. Because the moment Willow is in danger, the moment something is going on with Willow, Xander doesn't care about anyone else. Yeah. I I kind Willow of meets him. I kind of would have preferred like as much as I love Willow and Xander, the idea of them as a couple, like I would have preferred her to not have an act- a big crush on him to like be a like a sibling relationship. Like I really yeah. would have liked it to go that way like to just I can see that just to to have it be that they're just literally the most important person to each other yes yes it's that it's just this person is my best friend and I love them as my family and I will kill somebody who hurts them yeah no it would have been nice yeah yeah I mean it's like I said I love how cute they would be together and like you said they Mm -hmm. never really become a thing but you know I they are at their best when it is that best friend relationship. Yes. And that I think is something that the boom comics do really well is that you see Xander and Willow have this, they're basically platonic soulmates. Yes. Yes. In the, in the boom comics reboot. Yeah. I I haven't read all of them yet, but yeah, I would really like to see. Yeah. It's like, we'll talk about it more when we get there and especially because I don't want to spoil it for you. But like when I say they're platonic soulmates, like there's some mystical shit going on there and it's just, but Willow has a girlfriend right from the start. Yeah. So it's, it's very clear that they, they are. They're just, they're basically brother and sister and they love yeah. each other to death. Buffy wants to know why the vampires took Willow and Giles and not him. Xander says it's because they needed the people closest physically to the master that night. The ones who were with him when he died. Giles, Willow, Cordelia, Miss Callender, which did no one notice Miss Callender was missing? I think sometimes they go without seeing her because this year they may not because we're back at we're back in a new school year so they might not have any classes with her but Giles seems to wait for her every morning I know I know that's true maybe he was distracted by his research yeah yeah he, he gets stuff that he has to do and 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 you know she pro- she would understand that he's not always going to be waiting for her because he has his other responsibilities. That's true. Just, she'll, she'll just see him later. She says they need to find them, and he asks how by torturing their captive vampire. Of course, <laughs> she doesn't seem too keen to talk, telling Buffy that she's too late, that her friends are already dead. When Buffy pursues the interrogation, the vampire says, "What? Is she gonna kill her?" Well, yes, actually. But since she's not going to do it anytime soon, she dangles her cross into the vampire's mouth, holding it shut and letting it burn. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot. And this is the scene I think I pointed to in season one. So I'll bring it up again. When somebody was like, I, someone on the internet, or I don't know if it was another podcast, were like, why does Buffy have communion wafers in her trunk? And I'm like, this is why. This is it. This is it. It's all part of Because you can thing. cram them in a vampire's mouth. 
Yes. If you're trying to interrogate them. It's the same as it's 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 the same as holy water. It's all yeah. it's all blessed. It's all sacred. You know, you could just press a communion wafer to somebody's head and it would burn. You know, it's yeah, all part like, of the package. Just take whatever arsenal you can get. Yeah. At the factory, the annoying one enters carrying a box. He hands the box off to Absalom, who orders the ritual to begin. The captives are brought out, dangling from a chain above the table where the master's bones rest. While all this is going on, Buffy sneaks in along with Angel and Xander. Xander tells her they need to act now, and she tells Angel and Xander to get the others out. Angel tells her they'll need a distraction, and she says she's got it. She's going to kill them all. That should distract them. I love that in the script, all the the random vampires are given names. There's Vampire Bob, Vampire Jane, <laughs> Vampire Ned, and the one Buffy stakes first is Vampire Walt. Vampire Walt. I like Vampire Bob. I do like Vampire Bob. He was hanging out with Deadpool. And yes, because it kind of goes along with Hydra Bob. There always needs yes. to be a Bob. There's always a Bob. The ritual continues, Absalom now holding a knife, a knife which will presumably be used to slit the throat of the Scoobies. They're doing a bit of chanting when Buffy stakes one of the vamps, Walt, interrupting. <laughs> and this causes Absalom to scream in rage and the fight is on. Buffy battles the vampires below while Xander and Angel go to release the others. Absalom sends the annoying one off to hide, wanting to protect him before ordering one of the vampires to stop Angel and Xander from releasing the sacrifices. Betting that the vampire didn't expect Angel to be a vampire himself. <laughs> they start to fight while Xander makes sure everyone is okay, actually holding Willow. Jenny comes to and moves over to Giles, who is also coming to and asks if she's all right. Aww. Yeah, she's good. Giles asks where Buffy is and Xander motions to the fight below saying she's working out her issues. <laughs> Angel supposedly finishes off the vamp he's fighting, though I don't think we see it, which leaves Buffy with one more vampire and then Absalom, who apparently disappeared for a spell, but is now back with a sledgehammer and threatening to grind her into sticky paste. Asking if he's going to kill her or if they're just going to talk, he advances and she breaks the nearby torch, staking the other vamp with one end and setting Absalom on fire with the other. This leaves Buffy alone in the middle of the room with the master's bones. She stares at them for a moment before picking up the sledgehammer that Absalom had been holding and beginning to decimate the master's bones crying as she does so. This is the moment that Buffy so desperately needed. Yes. It's so cathartic. Her just getting to let loose and wail on those bones, smashing them because yeah, she's got a lot of repressed trauma and I don't think it stems just from Prophecy Girl. Yeah, no, I it's, mean, I mean, it can, it goes back to the beginning of her getting the call. Like, yeah. she has to deal with all of this. Since being called to be the Slayer at 14, 14, 14, she has learned that vampires are real, mm -hmm. watched her first watcher kill himself to protect her, mm -hmm. fought the vampire king Lothos, mm -hmm. had all her friends think she was insane, gotten kicked out of school, had her parents divorce, moved, started a new school, had a potential friend die and become a vampire, been almost killed by witchcraft, had the one teacher who truly seemed to believe in her, besides Giles, die, almost got the boy she liked killed, had one of her best friends become possessed, found out the other boy she liked was actually a vampire, had her mother attacked, had her best friend get kidnapped by a demon after being catfished, had her literal nightmares come true, fought a second vampire king in the master, and died. Actually That's died. That is a hell of a lot of trauma. Yes. And that's like for a lifetime, let alone 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause she just turned, she had just turned 16. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, this poor girl needed to work out, like, like Xander said, needed to work out some of her issues. And the problem is there is nobody that she can really talk to outside of this group of people. No. And like, no matter how much she talks to Giles, there's really only so much that he can say to her. Like, we'll get much later down the line with her, with his lie to me. Yes. Speech. Ah, oh, another one of my favorite speeches. I know. I know. I love it. The bone's destroyed. She lets Angel pull her into a hug as she sobs. I just noticed we don't see Cordy at all. We see Jenny with Giles and Xander with Willow, but we don't see Cordy. I guess she's still unconscious. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But we do see Cordy the next morning talking about how the worst part of this whole kidnapping thing is the stains. <laughs> how no matter what, they're not coming out. 
Cordy, leave it to you to that that is the worst part about being kidnapped. Although, how many, like, is this, how many times has she been kidnapped now by this point? Um, Prophecy. So, no, not Prophecy Girl. So, out of sight, out of mind, she was kidnapped. And this one. And she was dragged up on the stage during the harvest. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, like, two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's, she's, she's getting used to it. So, yeah, that's, that's why it's like, you know what? I got saved. And now I and have to get to stage. we're to number three real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's the next thing we're going to be talking about. Yes. It's number three. <laughs> yeah. Cordelia getting kidnapped is kind of like Giles getting hit on the head. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We then cut to Buffy and Giles. Buffy talking about how she can't face Xander and Willow. Not after how she acted and almost getting them killed. Giles is in full dad mode, telling her that, yes, she made a mistake, acted wrongly, but that she can't hide forever and it will be all right. Buffy heads off to class where Xander and Willow are waiting. They saved her a seat. Buffy sits, preparing for things to be awkward. But Xander and Willow seem forgiving, telling Buffy all about the teacher and asking if they're going to the Browns that night. As they chat, Buffy realizes things are going to be okay. The most fantastic, cheesy, 90s teen drama music plays over this scene. I like, I love it. I don't even know how to describe it, but I love it so much. But when you hear it, you're just like, yes, this this was written for a 90s teen drama. Yeah. And that's, again, the thing about this show that I love is that you do get a lot of those teen drama tropes in it, like the cheesy music, but it's done completely different, the whole series. We end the episode on the annoying one, surveying the ruined bones of the master and declaring that he hates that girl. And that's when she was bad. Yay. Any final thoughts? No, no. I think we we covered everything. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Great first episode to start off the season. Yes. And it it gets right into it. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that's going to happen this season. It's going to be a ride. And we're going to see the events from when she was bad, like directly start to carry on into the next episode. So while first season, you had the threat of the master, a lot of first season were standalone episodes interaction wise. Yeah. And we talked a lot about that because we were like, why isn't there more fallout from what this character did in this episode? But we're going to see in in season two, we're going to start not just these season long villain arcs, but we're going to start these interpersonal arcs. Yes. Yeah. And I know because we're we're in season three of our rewatch so you know again there is where you're really also going to see a lot of a lot of fallout too so yeah I like because because season one had to set everything up yeah it had to set everything up and and you wanted I don't know a lot of I don't know if a lot of shows do this but I, it seems like with Buffy they wanted a lot of the season one episodes to be like if this is the first episode exactly. you're catching exactly. you're intrigued you're not lost yeah and so you're not going to be like oh well it's too late to get invested in this Exactly. And it was only back and keep watching. Yeah. And it was only a 12 episode season. Yeah. Yep. So, yes, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on season two, episode two, some assembly required. Until then, you can check out our various social media channels all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like our show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.